episode of Moving Forward No Breaks. I'm your host, Jamal Boyce, or should I say Jamal Feeds Them All, however I'm going to name myself on this podcast. Uh, yeah, so I'm back at it again. Um, I know it's been a few weeks since I last posted my first podcast, and it wasn't much of a podcast. It was me talking a few minutes, uh, introducing basically... Um, a speech or presenting a speech that uh, I gave in front of uh, some of my uh, counterparts in the the educational IT space. So, um, and I got a lot of reviews and stuff. And so I just felt it's because it, it, it impacted a lot of people. I got a lot of positive response. I felt that should be probably the first one I should kick off. Uh, this actual podcast, which uh, I'm just trying to get on board. I'm trying to do stuff. And I'm like, I had plenty of opportunities to record some podcasts during the break since uh, this is, what, the 3rd of January. So I took off about a week uh, just to rejuvenate, refresh. Plus, it was really slow at work because basically 80% of the staff aren't there. And I'm in the IT space where... Yeah, we could do stuff, excuse me, during the downtime, but there was nobody there, and I thought it was better, beneficial. I had plenty of hours, and let me just take some time off and spend with my kids. Um, like I said, I'm trying to move forward, no breaks. The, that also means moving forward with relationships. Uh, enjoying the time and the, the time that I have available to spend with my kids. So we did some things we want a lot. We went to the movies, saw Sing 2, which was pretty good. Saw Spider-Man, was it Welcome Home or One of the No Way Home or No Way Out. That was pretty good. Uh, Though my son, he gets a little antsy watching movies. He gets a little tired. Uh, And then if it's kind of scary, he doesn't like it so much. Uh, But then we went to the snow, went to the mountains, I should say, where there was snow. and that was actually enjoyable, just getting my kids out the house, enjoying nature. It's, it's very beautiful in California right now, uh, especially after the rain. So we got we got clear skies. We got beautiful, like just scenic uh, areas. Like looking at the mountain, you see the mountain tops, the mountain caps that got snow on top of them, um, and it's it's it looks very beautiful right now. Uh, we had several days of rain, so. It was hard to get out. We were mainly in, indoors. And so that's another reason I didn't want to go to work. People drive crazy. And then during the rain, you just want to be on the couch and chill. So I just did a lot of that during the, the past week, week and a half. But I was just thinking to myself, I did have plenty of opportunities to record. And I get on my kids because uh, they watch shows like Ryan or other kids or they're just playing video games or playing with toys. I'm like... You guys can do that very same thing. Why are you watching somebody else do that? And then I had to think about myself. I'm like, I'm the same way. I listen to people. I'm constantly on YouTube looking at podcasts or videos. And I'm like, I can be creative just as well. I can put out content just as well. So why am I sitting back? Because I'm talking about moving forward. And I'm already reverting back to that couch potato life. So... So I'm going to try to be more consistent or I'm going to try to find my, my uh, niche or what's the reasonable time frame for me to be putting out content and what's the best available time for me to do that as well. Um, so 
So as you see videos or podcasts come up, uh, they might be stagnant or erratic at first, but hopefully I'll find my place in the space. Um, So based off of so the whole podcast is about moving forward. No excuses, no breaks. And if you've been paying attention to the news, you're just hearing people just have mixed reviews of what's going on, whether it's with the pandemic and the the vaccines and the mandates and seeing the efficacy of the vaccine with the latest uh, virus, the Omicron, and just even the responses that you get from the CDC and some of the things that have been said by many people in the past about Uh, eventually it's going to hit us all and just about the news just pushing out fear, fear, fear. Um, Some people who constantly consume that, that's that's their form of information without getting out the box, without just going outside, without listening to other perspectives, other views. Um, And it's it's detrimental. Um, And as you heard in my speech, I just said like, Life is not, we as human beings were not built to be basically just um, isolated, indoors, away from nature, away from others. Like we are social beings. We are meant to connect. And even as an introvert, the self, self-proclaimed introvert, um, I even seen that uh, this is not good. This is not good for me. This is not good for others. I feel I have something in me that may be beneficial for others. And I feel other people out there have contacts, social communication skills. There's something that's beneficial that it's, it's innate in us, whether it's a, a simple touch, a hug, a hello, a smile. Like, And it's not on a computer screen. It's not on a tablet. Like, We, we need to engage. And you get motivated, you get joy, you get inspired just by simply connecting. Um, And one of the things um, that happened to me last year, uh, basically almost a year ago, both my uncles passed. One passed from um, cancer and one passed from COVID. Um, And the one that passed from COVID, I just recall we were trying to have um, like a family, like a virtual, just uh, not meeting, but just virtual, just interaction. We're all gathered together, all connected from various states, various locations, since we couldn't physically connect. And I just recall um, my uncle being unable to hop on the Zoom uh Zoom call because he couldn't figure out how to uh, connect on his phone and I was trying to walk him through it and he was saying no nurses were available and it just seemed like he was just straining and I didn't want to put too much on him because he was just in a spit you could I could hear from his voice he's very weak Uh, but he was but he's he was one that was always connected whether Facebook or any other kind of connection just to get the, well, mainly Facebook, he would constantly put up pictures of the family, whether it's my family, uh, extended family, my grand grandpa, like just uh, of the burial sites, my grandma, 
like he was all about just connection and that's even some of the things statements we, we stated during his memorial service um just his ability and his drive just to keep the family connected uh and so this recollection of just him not being able to connect um it it's very sad to um to have that as the the basically one of the final memories that I have of him because we all don't know at what state he passed if he found out his younger uh, brother passed of cancer and he's checking social media and he passed from that or we don't know um, but if you guys all have had some experience being in a hospital for a friend or a loved one and some in various states, like, you just know the state of being in a hospital. It really doesn't bring forth life. Uh, it's just, it's cold. And if you're alone, it's like, like, it's a dreaded place to be in. And one of the benefits in the past, prior to the, the pandemic, family members would always have the ability to come into the, 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 the room, hug on, sit with their family members or loved ones, pray for them, touch them, because I just feel that brings forth life. It brings forth joy, it just brings forth hope. I can just recall and just my folks, once they saw my, my daughter first, she was the firstborn, just seeing how, um, how that it just brought like new life. It just re, re-energized them. And like they constantly wanted to see the grandbabies. Uh, my in-laws, uh, they constantly want to see the grandbabies. When they go to the mall, they're looking for stuff to buy for their, their grandbabies. Because um, they bring forth joy in life. And I felt the same way just about my uncle. I'm like, if he just had somebody just to give him hope to give them joy, to give him just some sense of like purpose, um, where would he have been? Would that ex extended his, his time on this earth? Would that have been a place where he just had joy? Um, um, but not having that, I just felt like a lot of these um, policies, guidelines, they're talking about preserving life, but what kind of life is it when you're putting yourself in a bubble, when you're taking no risks, when you're not allowing loved ones to connect, even for a brief moment, all in the, the guise of safety and health. Um, because I just feel like uh, a lot of these things were not well thought of. And it just, uh, it impacted many people. Many people lost loved ones, weren't able to connect with them in the last days, weren't able to have proper memorial services where others could come and say their, their, their last goodbyes. And, it, and it's unfortunate. And I think... Um, I think we're going to reflect on a lot of these decisions and see they weren't beneficial.
Um, now you're st seeing um, statements now about seeing that there there needs to be a balance in our guidelines uh, where you have the spokesperson doctor of the time now stating the impacts of like now we need to shorten the isolated period for individuals because they cannot function or be isolated by themselves for for 10 days plus and seeing the 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 effects of that on adults on children and i know most of it is driven by businesses uh, a lot of the decision making throughout history is based off um money uh and what's driving a lot of the decisions uh, a lot of you have to look at the root and and it has to be money um but back to the point is like they're seeing like kids kids were more impacted when they were in virtual school suicides went up uh depression went up people went to their vices because some people i guess don't know like sometimes most of the depending on the area the school was probably the safest place for kids because their their home life may have been uh, a lot of struggle, a lot of um, issues that were not safe for their well-being. And their only sense of like semblance of just like normality was in a school setting. Um, but we kept pushing these very restrictive policies and it and to our own detriment and so with this new year um i just pray i pray for our leaders i pray for our decision makers i pray for those in the space of teachers because now you're hearing that teachers want to go back to the virtual in certain areas and i think a lot of the things are either selfish or either done because they consume fear um when you like turn on this trigger it's like hard to like stop the faucet now you can't like go backwards now once you've kind of initiated a process and a lot of people's hopes and beliefs are in certain processes um I don't know how I got to this point, but um, as I was talking about my show, it's about moving forward, no breaks. Um, and when you move forward, when you do a podcast, when you do a speech, when you go for a job, when you try to connect with the person you're interested, um, you always have to consider, like, I'm doing this in the midst of risks, there is potential risk with making this decision. It may not go according to plan. Um, and even in in Fauci's statement, as far as the the ten day policies, like there's going to be some risk in cutting it in half. Like we all understood risks. Uh, 
during the pandemic or we're still in the pandemic. But while school was out, I you would I would read statements about from parents or family members or just people in general like we can't return back to school or we can't return to work until uh, the coronavirus is completely eradicated. That's not realistic. And so many things out there that um, we could die from. There's other illnesses, whether it's cancer, whether it's some surfing with the immune deficient diseases, whether it's flying on a plane or driving a car, like there's risk to life. We live in an imperfect world. But God still gave us this world to enjoy. And he said, and he also <laughs> stated that there were going to be days of mourning. There were going to be days of rain. There are going to be days of despair, along with the days of joy, days of prosperity, days of just fulfillment. Like you're going to get the, the, the benefits and also you're going to feel the pains, but that's life. And if you can't go through life, understanding the risk, like I just took my kids to the park. And we're uh, and they have like a skate park at this uh, particular park, and and I, of course my kids wear helmets and stuff like that. And then there's certain steep hills. I'm like, uh, I I'm very protective of them because my kids are somewhat awkward or clumsy at times. And I remember myself. And if you if you could see my lip right now, it's busted, but. Part of me busting it was on a skateboard. Uh, fell off, scraped my face, had stitches in my lip. Um, and I have a lot of battle wounds on my, my body at this point in time from just a lot of falling, a lot of crashing, a lot of hurts. Um, yeah, busted my top lip playing basketball, bit right through my lip, gushing everywhere. I'm sorry for the um, dramatic uh, visuals, but so I reflect on that and then you try to be overprotective but like your kids need to have life they need to experience sometimes you, you often guide them you often warn them what they should and should not do but they're going to do just like you were and going to be hard headed and they're not going to listen to their folks or sometimes they might have <laughs> they might be, be using more wisdom than you did when you were a youngster as well but you have to be real with them you have to share with them that there's going to be people that don't like them there's going to be people who don't agree with them there's going to be those times of disappointment where you expected certain things to happen and they didn't happen the way you you envisioned it and that goes to my point of even to my speech is like um we're always going to have tests we're always going to have challenges um and I, and I really wanted to share this episode about who I am. And one of the key points that I just basically touched on, I didn't want to really hit it too hard in the setting that I was in. I don't think it was beneficial. It would have been beneficial to share about my emotions, about my pains, about my heartache for one of the biz, biggest impacts in my life when I lost my job and how I lost my job. And I probably still won't go into those details right now just because it's it's in a legal place right now. And though I do have the opportunity to share, um, those close by me know <laughs> what transpired. And uh, even despite the other side having their opportunity to share, it's been in uh, our local papers about the front page about 
three different times. Um, and as an individual, you feel like you need to vindicate yourself. Um, and now, and, and I'm just stating like, when I was lost my job and how I lost my job, I was very hurt. And I was angry how it was done and how people took this one individual's word without any proof, without any detail. And, and it was disheartening. And me, I'm a believer for those who don't know, which means I'm a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Um, and I felt like it was going to work out in my favor. And it still will, but I'm just, I felt it was going to work out instantly. And we have our own vision and we all have our own plans of life and what it should be and how things are going to work out. But it typically doesn't work out that way. Um, and I know individuals who, who, who are Christians, some don't believe the stories in the Bible. Um, I do. I utilize those stories to help me and to bring me hope, to bring me um, life and a sense of purpose, understanding that many of those individuals went through pain, went through suffering, went through uh, a lot of persecution to get to that end goal. Because that's life, that's reality. No matter how much you try to put somebody in a bubble where they're protected from all types of um, scenarios and issues, it's not going to be life. It's not going to be real. It's not going to be realistic. And all you do is get a flawed individual because they were never developed. They never, they were always in a state of atrophy or a loss of building muscle, building characteristics, building skill, building talent. And I know a lot of people, um, some individuals, mainly in in my space, as far as coming from my particular melanin, we focus on being victims. But there are those who don't wade in that 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 puddle of victimhood. They understand where they came from. They understand the realities of their skin color and whatnot. But they move forward. They utilize that trauma, that issue, that pain to motivate them to push them forward. And some also realize who was with them in those storms, in that fire, in that moment of despair. So when I was talking about tests, typically when you go to school, end of the year or mid-semester, whatever, you take tests, you take finals take midterms and the only way to matriculate probably not <laughs> today's time you would have to pass the test to go to the next level today's times they're trying to change the grades and whatnot so they'll just pass anybody and everybody just to get them through the system without developing without learning how to read how to write so this was it if you have challenges and you don't pass those challenges you're never going to develop that's the same way, just using that same example. If you just push people past without challenging them, without working on those foundational skills, they're going to be flawed and underdeveloped adults because they never learned 
to train their minds to develop that skill to do math, to read, to write, to interact. And I know there's a, areas of me that are undeveloped because I never challenged those, those aspects, which I still need to grow in. But those who did develop and learned the basics of two plus two, and then they matriculated up to calculus, algebra, differential equations. Uh, it, it was a process, gradual steps. And so you don't start off with what differential equations or calculus before you start with the basic arithmetic. And so that's how tests and life are as well. And I look at the story of Job. Like all the pain and punishment when he went through, he lost his family, he lost his cattle, he lost his riches, he suffered physical pain. All because Satan was looking for someone to punish and he questioned whether they love God or they love the material things. That's the only reason they were with God. And God, God said, have you considered my servant Job? God said it. And God said, you can only go to this point in time. You cannot take his life or you can't touch him with the first one. You can't touch him at all. So Satan touched everything around Job. He took everything around Job away. And Job passed the test. Then Satan said, well, if you let me touch Job, I bet you he still won't have that same commitment to you. And Jesus said, you can touch him, just don't take his life. So he suffered through pain, bodily pain, persecution, torment from his friends. But yet he was still faithful. Even his very wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? So she thought that was simple and it may be realistic because like, if you see somebody suffering, that was her first thought. And, Jesus, and Job says to her, basically like the God who he, this very God that bring good, why would I curse him in times of uh, pain and torment? And he told her to get away because she was used as a vessel of the enemy to try to get Job not to pass the test. But what happened as a result of Job passing his test? He was blessed with double, double the kids, double the, the animals, double the, the influence. And even his enemies or his, his friends who were talking about him had to pray and had to come and bless him. And they had to ask for forgiveness. But Job passed his test. And certain pain, you cannot recuperate. Yeah, he was blessed with double kids, but he still had the loss of his original kids. That's how I always, always think of it. But hopefully he will see them in, a, in, in another life. And even my son, my son's name is Joseph, because one of my favorite stories in the Bible um, was the story of Joseph. Like I said, I love the Old Testament because these gives me examples of like what I should be expecting in life. Um, and Joseph, he was very, uh, for those who don't know Joseph or those who may have watched the play Joseph and the multicolored dream code and stuff like that. But the point of 
the main point of the story was like Joseph, he was the youngest, uh, besides second youngest of um, 12 boys. Uh, the promised tribe, uh, tw 12 tribes of uh, um, Israel. Uh, and um, he had a couple of visions when he was younger. Uh, basically about his um, his parents and his brothers submitting or bowing down to him. Like he was going to be elevated to a position where um, his family would seek out his, his wisdom or his authority, his rule, his decision making. His brothers, even his dad didn't like it, but he also stated that his dad just pondered on what Joseph stated. But his dad was also in a position who he made his son stand out because he made him the multicolored dream coat. He was, you could see he was favored among the pack. And based on, I think, because he loved his, uh, one of his wives more than any of his harem and whatnot. So I think as a result, he loved the, the, the seed that came from her. Uh, so let's just speed up the story. So, so one day his brothers are out in the field, uh, and Joseph was just hanging back. We don't know why he wasn't with his other brothers. Um, but then, uh, he was sent out to meet his other brothers. So, um, they seen him on his, on his, on his, in the field coming towards them and they plotted basically to kill him. Uh. And then you had one brother said, no, don't do this. Don't kill him. Um, so rather they threw him in the pit instead uh, and basically sold him to some um, traveling um, slave traders who came by and reported to their dad that he was uh, devoured by an animal, a lion or something like that. And they brought back his jacket with blood all on it. So you have to imagine like the dysfunction of a family to basically want to slaughter their own brother and then do that to the father who loved and cherished his son, his child and for them to just say he was eaten or by an animal and brought back the jacket so and then just sell off their brother so his brother was sold off um, he became like a servant to a high profile, uh, uh, official within the Egyptian, um, community. Uh, and Joseph was Jewish. So, um, uh, so he served him well, but the official's spouse, it's, and this is one he Joseph was one of the few individuals and I think now that I think of my son he's probably rightly named like was very like handsome or beautiful like this, he's one of the individuals in the Bible like it explicitly mentions the beauty of him um, and so he was sought out by the official's wife and she basically tried to succumb him and he wouldn't do it but she falsely claimed that he tried to basically rape her, sleep with her. And this made the official mad who sent him off to jail. Uh, 
So he sent him off to jail. So like, so Joseph didn't do nothing wrong first when he was basically almost died, but sent into slavery. Then he didn't do nothing as well when he was sent into prison. So in prison, it said he found favor with the the lead um, prison warden. Um, so Joseph was put in a position of leadership. Um, and like I stated before, he had visions of him actually being in a position of leadership where his family, brothers, and would submit or basically kneel and bow down to him because he had these visions of these stocks or in two visions, one's of stocks and one's of stars basically bow down, bowing down to him. Um, so in the midst of him being in prison, um, two of the Pharaoh's servants were sent down into prison. One was a chief baker and one was, um, uh, I guess, the wine bearer. I can't think of the person who makes wine. Uh, and they had two different... They had both had dreams and they went to Joseph basically and to interpret their dreams. Um, well, and I can't explicitly think of how the, the, the dreams were, but basically one... It was interpreted that he was going to be restored back into the the good grace of the Pharaoh, while the other one, which was the baker, his dream was like the ravens were eating out of his head, and then he was basically said, "You're gonna the other one, you're gonna die in a matter of three days." Uh, and so that was basically their fate. And the one who was restored to his grace, he told him, "He's like, please don't forget me." when you return into the grace of uh, the Pharaoh. Remember who basically spoke this or interpret this vision for you. And the, of course the guy said, yeah. And of course he didn't because that's reality. You ask for favor for people. And I'll just state like those people that I was friends with prior to losing my job, um, not all, it was particular ones that I was close to. The ones I reached out to for assistance, not financial, but I just needed information on basically what transpired. And it was certain, like, they just ghosted me, didn't want to answer my calls, didn't want to respond, or never had these issues with them in the past. Like, they would respond instantly, they would always want to hang out, but it was like, all of a sudden, they were like, ghosting me. I'm like, oh, is this how you really are? And it was just, and I look at those moments, and so it's those, you remember the people who treated you when you, how people treated you when you were down and when you are in need. Because it goes, and you see many stories like when people were celebrities and whatnot, like, like they feel like everybody wants to connect with them, everybody wants to hang out because they have money and whatnot. But then when they don't have money, it's like, we're all those buddies, we're all those hookups, we're all those people who just wanted to chill. And I experienced that similar. It's like we were cool this whole time, and then like now all of a sudden, like you don't want to have anything to do with me. You can't just do me a simple favor. You can't. You don't have time to answer your call just for a simple request. But then I also remember those who I would joke about or, or joke with, and and. And probably had, I won't say the wrong perception, but I just never thought they would be attached as what they were. And they're like, they were the ones who were like reaching out 
hit me up. Hey, how you doing, Jamal? How are things going? And like I said, when you're isolated, when you're by yourself, it's different. And like it, and and I got, I got inspiration. I felt love just from a simple check-in. And so, going back just to the test, like you sometimes have to go through scenarios or issues to have empathy for what other people may be going through. And I felt love just from like some simple texts, some simple just check-ins. And me being an introvert, I don't do that. I didn't do that during the past before the pandemic. I didn't reach out. I just felt like everybody's in their own space. I just, you just think about yourself. And I saw the importance and the value of just simple connection. So going back to the story of Joseph, he was forgotten once again. So I think a couple years passed by and the Pharaoh had a dream. I don't know if it was one or two dreams, but he had a dream. And he had his, in, in those times they have basically like their magicians or their prophets or their um, their leaders that they, they depend on. Like you see in America or any other states, they just have their chiefs so who can do what, what, what. And so he had his basically soothsayers, magicians or whatever. He's like, this is my dream. Who can interpret it? And none of them can interpret it. And I don't know if this was similar to another one as far as like Daniel, where like he states basically he's going to start killing people if they can't. Like, what are you here for? This is the whole purpose of you being in this position. And now it comes time to do what you're called to do and you can't fulfill it. Then you're worthless to me. And so once he sends out his edict, then the, I don't know what to call him. It's like the wine tester or something. He says, oh, I recall back when I was in prison. Remember, Pharaoh, when you sent me in prison? Yeah, back when I was in prison, I actually had a dream. And um, this, uh, this person basically interpreted my dream. And it actually happened just as he stated it. Uh, he says, send this person to me. And so, um, so then they state that Joseph um, cleaned up himself, made his presentation good because he's going basically in front of the leader of Egypt, the leader of the, uh, this country or this land. Um, so he cleans himself up and makes his presentation good. And then he says, um, he shares about his dream. And uh, basically, it was two. It was two different versions. One's about cows, and one's about grain or wheat. And basically, saying it's going to be severing. And so, this is how Joseph interpreted his dream. And I won't go to the specifics because I'm going to be kind of off again. It's going to confuse some of you guys the way I talk about it anyway. Um, since I'll be lost in the translation. Ah. Uh, he basically predicts that it's going to be seven full years of just growth, prosperity, just abundance. And you're going to be flourishing for seven, seven years. But then he says, then the back half of your dream is that it's going to be seven lean years of drought. Uh, this uh, lack, uh, nothing. 
and and so and just just to say like <laughs> climate change there was always issues with climate even in the bible where they had drought they had inclement inclement weather and stuff like that but uh so there's seven years and so he says basically you need to prepare utilize those several years that you were flourishing to basically prepare or sustain you for those seven years of lack or drought um so and he states how he's he should do it and so based off his wisdom based off his presentation the pharaoh says i want you to lead my this process and i'm going to make you second in command so you're only beneath me you will be in control over everybody else during this period of time. Um, and so, um, so Joseph, he went from being thrown into a pit, potentially about to die. Then he went to being sold as a slave. Then went to be accused of being raped, thrown into prison interpreting dreams in prison forgotten in prison and then elevated to the second in command into uh, in a, a flourishing region a large region so that's not the end of the story now because you know the first original dream was basically his family members kneeling and bowing before him alright so there were several years where they were flourishing so then they built warehouses to store basically the abundance of the the harvest uh, then there came lean years where the people uh, didn't have enough so then he was basically it was basically bartering or there was giving up their land and in order to receive food and they were in ex uh, so that was that exchange and then it got to the point where it's so bad then they were working on the land for um, the Egyptian kingdom uh, in exchange for food uh, so um, Jacob and his um, uh, his family Jacob is Joseph's father they were impacted by the drought so they ran out of grain and Jacob sent uh, his brothers with uh, a lot of money to basically go purchase some grain um, and so his brothers brothers came to Egypt uh, and they came before uh, Joseph they didn't recognize Joseph at the time but he recognized them and he was asking them various questions one in particular about his youngest brother who was younger than him, Benjamin. Uh, he asked how he was doing because Benjamin wasn't involved in any of uh, the negative uh, impacts of his life because he wasn't there when they were working as well. Um, and, and so they purchased the grain and whatnot and then he sends them on their way with the grain but he also tells um, tells them to his servants basically to put their money back into um, uh, 
their bags. Uh, and so then I, I might mix the two. It was two different incidents. So it was either put the money back or put his cup in in their bags. So then on their way home, they got stopped as they begun their journey. And he had their um, bag search and accused them basically of basically trying to um, get over on him by not paying what was owed them and actually stealing from them. And he says, I'm going to keep you guys here. Um, send me, and he's like, send me your youngest brother and whatnot. And so they're like, no, our father is distraught. He already lost his firstborn, or not his firstborn, his one of his favorite son. He, he would die if he lost any, um, if he lost uh, Benjamin and whatnot. And he says, I think he, he well, and they basically came to a point where they agreed they'd leave one of their brothers. I think it was Simeon. So they sent the uh, what is that? Ten brothers home, or nine brothers, one state, uh, and they reported to the father. And he's like, "What have you done? Didn't I give you money?" And they say, "Yeah, but uh, the the Pharaoh's uh, uh, leader, uh, he was not happy, and this is what happened." And so, so they didn't immediately go back to get Simeon. They waited till they were out of basically their their grain that they they purchased or uh, went up there for, and so they were like, "We need to go back." And he says, "If you don't come back with Benjamin, then um, he's not going to release Simeon, or he's not going to give us the grain." Uh, and they said, "We're going to die basically if we don't make a decision to go back." Uh, and so. The father was Jacob was like, okay, uh, go back. And I don't know why I'm just going so long in the story, but I'm like, this is a podcast. You guys are all here listening anyway. So he says, go back. And so Joseph sees them um, and they come back. Yeah, so they come back. He relates their brother. He tells them to feast with them. So he has his his people set up a table before him. And since he's uh, and the Egyptians don't know he's Jewish, so Egyptians and Jewish they don't sit together. So he's sitting in his own table, whatnot. And he he has the the feast for his brothers at another table. And he's asked for his younger brother to get several times a portion of everybody else. So his youngest brother, Benjamin, was a lot of that. And so he's listening to him. And then he just, he, he breaks away and says he's crying because it's like, these are his brothers. And he like, he longs and he misses them. But I'm sure there was emotions like he also remembers what transpired as well. But it never even stated that he had any kind of like negative nature against them. I, from reading it, just like, he loved his brothers and he didn't want to reveal himself to them. So basically since then sends them on his way, but then he gives them his, his, his goblet. Basically he has one of his servants put his goblet in one of their bags. So he does the same thing. He has his people stop and says, how could you insult me by stealing? Uh, and they says, 
none of us will steal. It's like if any of us steal, just take off. Uh, you could kill us today or something like that. And the gobble was actually stored in Benjamin's, um, uh, his uh, in his camel or his luggage, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so when it is revealed, it's like the brothers all like tear off their coat. They're like, no, no, this is not true. This is not happening. He didn't do anything. Like, we cannot tell this to our dad. He's going to basically die if the, his... Benjamin is basically the next favorite son because I think, I think part of the reason is like he reflects on Joseph dying. He, he blames his, his brothers for it in some ways. And so they're like, no, our dad, like we cannot. And he like brings them back. And he's like, this is must happen. They're like breaking down crying. And he's like, no, our dad. And so then maybe this is when the uh, Joseph start crying. Then he come back and reveals himself. He says, I'm the brother you sold, sold to slaves you put in a pit. And 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 they and they were um they were caught off guard, they were shocked. Like maybe I should have just been beaten instead of just talking. So they were shocked. Um and they were hugging and crying and like like they couldn't believe it was him. And so basically they go tell the dad uh, and the family that Joseph is alive. And then there's just joy and excitement. And Joseph tells uh, the Pharaoh that these are his people. And the Pharaoh just loves and trusts Joseph so much and he respects him so much and he says you can have them in any land uh, you can have them set uh, set up and if they're farmers and whatnot so he made provisions for them so I think jo Jacob brought about it was about 70 people or maybe 170 I can't think of it right now um, basically seven. so he brings his whole family back and Jacob is ecstatic and it's like I should read it up because as I was just mentioning earlier when I was talking about my uncle and I was talking about my parents and grandparents how life you get life from um, from loved ones they give you hope they give you life the same was stated of um, Jacob as well um let me see. All right, so um, like I was stating, like um, family brings life, loved ones brings life, and they were already. You know how the brothers were coming up to Joseph said he's on the verge of dying, he's about to die. When they were seeking food, they said he was on his his basically deathbed, and like any any bad news but only basically take him to the point of like death. But here it states, so Israel, who was Jacob, dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew in multitude exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So he was 130 when he first came into the land. He died at uh, 
the age of 147. So he was already old. And so they knew any slight thing would take away the hope and bring forth despair. And there's no life when you have no hope. There's no purpose when you have no hope. So taking a loved one takes the air. Have you had those moments where whether it's a lost one or you had somebody reject you that you love so much and it's taken away from you or it ends that that joy, that love, it's like you lose your breath. And so this is what I was stating about some of the decisions we make. We talk about it's the for the purpose of your health, but they don't understand like our connection that life that that life is driven through the connection to loved ones and so jacob was able to live another 17 years as a result of his connection to his son and seeing his grandsons through the lineage of jacob and it extended his life because he had hope he had hope. And my question to you is, do you have hope? Or are there, are there other people in life that you know are in despair and they're lacking and you have a ability to check in on them, to give them that life, that sense of purpose, to motivate them, to connect with them, to give them hope? To remind them who they were called to be. To remind them who they were created for. What their purpose in life was. Because we oftentimes look at kids. And like the only, the only avenue. The only sense of purpose is only in the youth. There are many people still right now. Who haven't fulfilled their purpose. Who have never tapped into those visions. Or t tapped into their identity because they weren't connected or didn't, weren't inspired or didn't have that hope. Or they didn't pass their test. I'm about to be 44. It's certain tests I haven't passed yet. It's, you know, like when you're working in something like this is fine and all, but I don't think I was created for this. I was created for more than this. And some of you have that same thing in you right now. And that's why I even I even talk about some of the, the very catalysts, some of the very challenges may be the catalyst to propel you to your destiny. And that was the case for a lot of people in the pandemic because certain people who were utilizing whether YouTube or some sort of business, they were thriving because they were walking into their purpose. It pushed them into their purpose. They saw that they didn't have to be dependent on that job and they walked away from that job and they did what they desired or they were created or they had that passion to do. And so I don't knock challenges. It says embrace them, accept them, be thankful for them. Because it wrapped inside that it's propelling you, it's going to create something in you, it's going to push you into the place, into the destiny that you were called to go. 
And so me relating to the story of Joseph, I've been through many trials. I've been through many tests. I've been many, many challenges. So yes, losing my job was difficult. But I can reflect on those other opportunities where God kept me while other people around me were losing their job. While God sustained me while other people around me were losing hope, were losing despair. Some Those moments of time when it's only me by myself, when my parents weren't there, my family weren't there. They weren't called to be there because God wanted to, me to know him intimately. So sometimes situations and challenges come to separate individuals so you can only be dependent on one. And oftentimes, now you can see it even now, we're enabling a mindset, a work ethic, where they're dependent on an entity, a program to sustain in life. And yes, those programs and, and aspects are beneficial for certain points in time, but God also wants you to be dependent on him. Because I realized after losing my job, well, I knew before because I would always stay. Because there was times when I was was told, like, I won't, wasn't going to have this job to look elsewhere. But God sustained me. God kept me. He actually elevated me. But the, the thing is, like, even when it was stated to me, I'm like, this job is not my source. And so when losing my job, I still have to have that same belief. Who is my source? Who is going to keep me? All my needs were still met. My housing, my food, my transportation, not only for me, but my family as well. So God still sustained me even though I was quote unquote lacking. One of the, the key phrases that's mentioned several times in the story of Joseph, it says, and the Lord was with him. Wait, but Joseph was thrown in the pit. Joseph was in prison, but it said, and the Lord was with him. And he found favor in the pit. He found favor in the prison because the Lord was with him. So when I didn't have a job, I knew the Lord was with me. And let me just finish off the story of Joseph for those that may not know it. Um, the father dies. Like I said, he lived to be 147 years old. Um, and the brothers got scared because they felt that was the only means of like mediation or only means of like peace between them and their brothers They're like oh now that dad is dead he's gonna pay us back for what we did and they even tried to contrive a story to send messengers to joseph say oh before dad died he said can you please forgive your brothers for the wrong they did so they're still <laughs> lying they're still trying to manipulate and that's the sad thing that they still they never learned anything throughout that period of time without Joseph 
they didn't grow in their faith with God during that time because they weren't challenged. They never passed their tests. And that's the unfortunate thing. And let me just read you Joseph's response. So they asked for forgiveness. And Joseph, he wept. And then he spoke to them. And he said, he, he wept and it says his brothers, they all went and fell down before his face and they wept and said, we are your servants. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? And that portion means like, and the Bible says vengeance is mine. So we are not to basically respond in the same manner that is given to us as far as negative treatment. He says, I'm not in the place of God. I'm not in the place of uh, distributing uh, judgment or retribution for ill-advised actions. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And so when I was, uh, some of the responses to my speech, some people stated, I felt convicted. I don't even know why. I went up there with the intention to share my story and to put a lot of biblical undertones because that's what drives my life without being overly explicit where people feel I'm preaching at them. Uh, because the world doesn't know the Bible, but they can connect to life in your story. So I had to present my story and how God was involved in my story without explicitly saying God, because that wasn't the context. In this podcast, I can say God, 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 all I want. So I stated that... I accept the good and the bad in my life because I believe all things work for my good. Not stating that all things, including the bad things, are good, but I feel that God can utilize those bad things to propel me to whatever I need to go or whatever characteristic or quality I need to possess. So they meant it for evil because they were actually being utilized as tools or vessels by the enemy for Joseph's vision not to be realized. Because at the end of the day, they did succumb under the authority of Joseph as the second ruler in Egypt. So his vision was fulfilled. And some of the responses that I received, even from some women to my speech, is like, you were more relatable and realistic than this woman speaker on uh, woman in the workplace and how to fulfill. Like, she was talking like 
it was almost like fairy tales and like um, cupcakes. Like that's not life. Like I said before, we cannot be in this bubble. And life sometimes is not linear, or oftentimes is not linear from point A to point B. There may be some obstacles. You may go backwards. You may go down. You may go sideways. But if God spoken in your life, if God implanted in your heart, if God gave you this dream, if you realize you are not doing what you feel innately like you are supposed to be doing, there is a path, but we must pass our tests in order to get to that final destination. So if you do not pass your tests, you will be like the children of Israel where it's like a 13-mile journey, a two-week journey, or something like that. And they spent 40 years, some not even reaching the promised land because they kept failing the tests. They kept relying on self. They kept complaining with the challenges. They kept, they weren't content in the provisions God made. So they complained and complained and complained and was negative, was doubtful, was fearful, despite provisions being made, miraculous provisions being made, the parting of the seas, the fire by night, the cloud and the shade by the day, the, the shoes that didn't have any wear and tear on, but they still were complaining. This was not good enough. So they never passed their test. And are you complaining about the provisions that you have? Are you complaining? Are you mad at God for what he hasn't done for you yet? Are you mad at God for not bringing you to your promised land that he said he would do? And I'm talking to you because I've had those thoughts and I have those moments too. Because I thought I just should be just transported to this destination. And like I stated, I haven't even a case. I thought it would be done like this. Like, everybody should know the truth. It's simple. He did this, this, and this. And I have this evidence and yada, yada. It doesn't work that way. That is not life. There are evil people. There's an ultimate demonic force that is trying to prohibit you from fulfilling your purpose. And if it was that big, do you think he would allow that to happen? Do you, don't you think he would rather you complain that you moan and groan and you give up on what you were called to do? And you must also know that you need to fulfill your purpose. You need to reach your destiny. Because ultimately, the promise is not about you. It is about others connected to you on your path to your destination or at your final destination. They are waiting for you to fulfill the purpose that you were called to be. The call to do. Because I didn't read you the rest of the portion. It says, but as you meant for evil against me, God meant it for good in order to bring about as it is this day to save many people alive. 
So we always look at this little circle where it was just Joseph and his brothers bowing down and the provisions for his, his family. But no, he actually had provisions for the Egyptians and the Jewish and the people in the surrounding regions. God was preserving multiple people, but they didn't even realize that. God was making provision for those connected to Joseph, the Pharaoh and all his people. So when God puts you in a position, it's not for you, it's for you and your peers, your coworkers, your bosses. Do you bring favor to that state of employment that you're in? Do you bring favor to that, that residence that you live in? You were called for such a time as this. Because I read that what you meant for evil, God would use for my good. And in Romans it says, God uses for those that love God, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose, his purpose, not your purpose, his purpose. For those that love God and are called according to his purpose, he will work all things, all things together to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God works all things out together for the good of those who love him and are called for his purpose. Until you realize your life is not your own. Your calling is not your own. It is not about you. It is not about those in your little bubble. It has a greater importance and a greater impact, not ultimately for this life, but for this life past this life. The greater hope, the greater peace. And is your life bringing hope or inspiring to other people that are currently dying in this dark world? If you look at the news, if you look at society, if you look at your workplace, do you see death? Do you see despair? We are called to be the salt, add distinct flavor. We are called to be the light, to bring light into a dark world. Are you bringing light with your words? Are you bringing hope with your words? That was the one thing I noticed in my speech or the, the responses People were inspired. And it wasn't of my own doing. God was using me to touch people's life at that very point in time. Because I got young men, old men, young women, old women. People just various backgrounds. And I'm like, this is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the good news. This is the power of the life giver, which is God. It has nothing to do with myself. And, and and I was I had to reflect and I had I was sitting there crying. Because I'm like, I didn't do anything. This is all God. So when people compliment me, I'm like, thank you. I'm glad it ministered to you. So this is why I say moving forward, no breaks. I want you those who watch or watching this podcast or listening to the podcast I hope this inspired or trickled something in you lit something in you a flame in you like I need to move forward no more breaks 
No more flunking that test. That test of whether, how do I respond to my spouse? How do I respond to my boss? Or not getting out of bed to do this. Not reaching out and calling this family member. We all have various tests. There's tests constantly in life. Are you passing those tests? Are you moving on to the next level? Or are you going in a circle? Unfulfilled promises. Untapped potential. That is not what we were called to be. We were called to be ambassadors. We were set apart. A royal priesthood. Chosen generation. We were chosen God said to the enemy, have you considered my servant such and such? Have you considered my servant Jamal? Have you considered my my servant Naomi? Have you considered my servant Ruth? Have you considered my service servant Joseph? Jacob, Marcus, Michael, whatever your name is, put it in there. Nothing that comes against you that God is not aware of. He is not surprised. He just wants to know, do you trust him? And we need to show to him that he can trust us. So can he trust you with that talent? Can he trust you with that destiny? Have you built that characteristic, that quality, that character, whatever it needs to be, that you need to possess to be in that position of influence? Will you point them to him? Or will this all be about you? So I want you to pass your test. If this was my final podcast, my one and only podcast, let it be so. But we need to move forward. No more breaks. No more stopping. No more failures. Pass our test. We all talk about a new year. We all start these new traditions and whatnot. Just be consistent. Each day is a new day. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you still have the ability to pass your test to please God, to fulfill your potential, to tap into that purpose. I spoke a while, but I'm trying to give you something for your podcast or for this podcast to listen to. Uh, Like I said, we'll see how it it morphs and shapes over time. Uh, I'll probably have more planned out process to shorten it out, I don't know. But uh, for those driving, I know I drive, I have a long commute, so longer podcasts are, are beneficial for me. So uh, thank you for uh, listening. Thank you for uh, stopping by. Uh, and I guess it's customary, but I never just hit that like button, click subscribe if you want to hear more of me. Uh, I don't know what it else it is. Smash like. Uh, but yeah, just stay tuned. Uh, Support me as I support you uh, as we move forward together. God bless. Peace.